The OneStream Global Education Services team proudly presents the OneStream Podcast with your host, Peter Fugere. Greetings, fellow OneStreamers, and welcome to the OneStream Podcast, where we explore and examine all things OneStream, talk to experts in the industry, and gain knowledge from some of the brightest minds that help deliver and implement solutions for our clients. This episode is part of the Foundation Series, where we explore and examine the fundamental concepts, tools, and topics surrounding OneStream. I'm your host, Peter Fugere, Chief Solutions Officer at OneStream Software. And as always, I'm excited about our topic today, extensibility. Here with me to discuss the topic is Tammy Chung. Welcome, Tammy. Hi, Peter. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I'm Tammy Chung. I'm with the pre-sales operations team. I was in the services organization since about 2015 and switched over to pre-sales, where we are currently working on a new demo application. Okay. Well, let's get started. Extensibility. Let's start with the definition. What's extensibility even mean? Where does this come from? So extensibility, it's um, it's a way to give different information or an expansion of your core information to different groups. So if we think about that in terms of metadata, that's probably the easiest way to talk about it. Um, if we think about our dimensions, right, we might have an accounts dimension. Maybe we add in a product dimension. So if we're building an application for a particular customer, maybe they've got um, different aspects of their business that we're catering to. So if we talk about those products, let's say we have a corporate group of users those guys might not care about products. Maybe they're not even looking at it. They're not analyzing by it. So we might set up, say, one of our user-defined dimensions for a main UD1. That's going to be really just a holding tank. It's not going to talk about products. It's just the summary data for that UD1. When we move over to one of our business units, maybe that business unit focuses on a product line. So they don't really go too in-depth in the products, but they want a little bit more than just a summary level. So we can take that same UD1. When we extend it, we're expanding upon that UD1 top and then we're giving it product lines. We can take it one step further, and then we move to the operations side of the business, and they care about those detailed products. That's where they they focus their business. That's how they plan their operations. So we have to give them a little bit more detail. So again, we can take that same UD1. Now we're extending it yet again. So it's just coming off of that product line into the products that make that up. So that's interesting. So when I think of the the sales demo, you know, what the folks usually show people is – you know, how one stream can show different dimensionality for different purposes. And and that really sounds like what you're doing. Extensibility is letting, letting us show different people different dimensions that, that are relevant to them, as opposed to just seeing everything all crammed in the application. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the point of it is you want to be specific to a purpose, specific to a process or specific to a set of users. We can even take that one step further. When we move outside of the metadata, there's a lot of ways to extend one stream. Um, Another way of that is the cube. So you can extend those cubes can use different sets of that metadata or even within a cube, you can have different scenario types. So maybe for actuals, you're looking at a certain level of detail and then for plan and other level of detail. There's many, many ways to extend. You know, when I think of extensibility and how I've tried to explain it to people, I talk about you're taking one, like, you know, set of dimensions and you're leveraging it as much as you can for something else. And it sort of goes back to that programming definition where whatever you built for one purpose, you're able to use for another purpose. And in a way, it sounds like when you think about extensibility, you're thinking about, you know, around the dimensionality and leveraging that. Is that that kind of right? 
Yeah, but again, you can you can do it not just on dimensionality. You can do it on cubes. You can do it on applications. Um, and you asked me where this came from. You talked a little bit about the programming and the systematic approach of it. So, you know, our, our founders, we all worked in the CPM space for a very long time, and they wanted to do something innovative, something creative and different. We had to do it where it was the same sets of information used for different purposes, but you'd have to replicate that or you'd have to expand on it within those different sets and maintain them separately. So that's where this is so different and so wonderful that it's still one set of information. It's one point of maintenance and you're just expanding on it or kind of summarizing it, right? So Tammy, let's take a step back. We're talking, when we say the application's extensible, it's extensible by application, extensible by cube, extensible by workflow, extensible by metadata. What do you consider extensible applications? Let's talk about that a little bit because that's, that's outside of the application, right? Or is that, how would you look at that? Well, personally, when I think about extensible applications, I mean, you're absolutely right. You could be actually tying one full application to another one. It's that simple. We can tap into the different tables behind it. But when I think about extensible applications, really, I'm thinking about those things like the summary cubes, right? So when we think about extensible applications and a summary level cube, it's that linked cube setup. We talk about it as a linked cube, as a, as a summary cube, as a super cube, but it's where you've got multiple cubes supporting an application and those cubes are specific to a purpose. It might be um, by different regions, it might be by different business units, it might be by different business processes, but then you've got that kind of umbrella setup where you've got that summary level application and that contains all the things underneath. Your data moves by itself. It's just, um, it's a part of how the system is laid out, you're not having to do anything differently. You're not having to move that data specifically. You're linking it together so it just flows. So when I think about extensible applications, I think about either that approach or you can have the same underlying foundation, but you can break those links as well. I might have a subsidiary where they don't want to pass that information. They don't want it available all the time. They want to make the choice to move it. So I could actually keep that structure and break that link. Do you think about extensible applications differently or is that the same way you would look at them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think about it the same way. You know, that whole approach, how you're laying it out is really about process. But for me, like when I would come in and do design, and so for the listeners that that don't know necessarily, Tammy and I have known each other for and worked together for, I don't know how long, Tammy, 15, 15 plus years, I think. Um, we both started in the third grade working with applications. <laughs> and so uh, we've worked together quite a bit with this and we've done we've done different projects together. But yeah, when I think about the uh, the design or the approach with extensibility, as much as the process, I also think about the performance gains. And my focus is, especially in design, we'll talk about this in a little bit, I hope. But in design, I really tend to focus a lot on the data unit. And you know, when when you start talking about breaking up like a summary cube and a detail cube. So a summary cube might have, you know, something like a product group. And then in the detail cube, that's that's a, a lower cube, you might have actually product ID and those product IDs would roll up to groups. And so in the summary cube, where, where the data is sort of consolidating and the densities increasing, you actually have fewer members in a UD so that your individual data units don't get too big. And there's a performance gain for that. But let's, Tammy, let's dig into the data unit a little bit. Let's talk about that. Because I, as much as the process, I think, for me at least too, the, the data units are really 
a big driver, you know, especially in some of these huge applications that we've seen clients do without naming some of the names, but, you know, some of the largest retailers, for example, they've run into limitations with other products where, you know, they, they just can't handle the literal 100, 200,000 individual product IDs, for example. And then in one stream, we have the ability to handle that. And we can do that by, you know, sort of looking at these these cubes and using this extensibility to break that out and manage the, the data in smaller chunks. So let's take a step back. What do we define a data unit as? So the data unit is made up of it's your entity, it's your scenario, and it's your time. Uh, along with the entity, there's the consolidation and there's the parent, um, but yeah. really that's your data unit. Right. And so I think our guidance is for the data unit to be around 250, 500 uh, thousand records. And again, uh, with the data unit, we want to say that's, I, I like to say that it's the number of populated, not the number of possible intersections. So you could have a, you know, a group of accounts and UDs that are relatively small, but when the data is very dense, you know, have a very high number. And the opposite's true. You could have tens of thousands of UD members for, you know, 5,000 accounts, and you could have, I don't know, a billion possible intersections. But when the data is very sparse, it's not very populated. And so each one of those data units, we really try to keep for any given entity, you know, somewhere below two to four million records uh, for each of those data units. And when when it gets above that, it's not that you can't have that much data. You just have to consider extensibility to break that out. I mean, Tammy, how, how would you set that up? So if somebody came to you and they had a, a UD that was, you know, you're looking at the data and you're, you're seeing a user-defined dimension that was over, you know, 10 million, 15 million records, how would you talk to them about that? Yeah, you're exactly right, Peter. Um, I would be telling them that, you know, you might think you need all of these for reporting purposes, and you do, but it doesn't mean that it's specific to the aspects of your data unit. You might not be using all of these for a certain scenario. Maybe some are specific to actuals, maybe some are specific to plan, and each entity maybe only uses a subset. Now, if uh, maybe there's a case where everybody does use all of those details, you still can break that thing up by entity. You've got to make those, those size is smaller or you're you're not going to be successful in your implementation. It's a perfect candidate for extensibility. So when we talk about extensibility, sometimes we hear the word stubbing or stubbing a dimension. What's that about? What's that mean? Well, that's when you want to set things up. Like when we talk about why we want to design this way, scalability and flexibility, those are the two key focus points whenever you design. You want to be able to change it, expand on it, and, and address your performance. So when we do the stubbing out, it's because we might not be using all of those UDs, but we want it to be easier in the future. So when we stub out, let's say we're not using our user-defined two dimension, we can always put in like a, a main UD2, right? So it's that top level, you'll have one member that says it's at the top of the house, UD2, and there's nothing else underneath it. But that way, it's already been created. You can add to it. You can add multiple sets to it, but it's there when you need it. So what are the benefits? It sounds like one of the benefits of, of a extensible dimension with multiple cubes is you've got scalability. You, you said that. So what's when we say scalability, are we talking about just large applications or are we talking about just flexible? How would you look at it? 
scalable and flexible, they go hand in hand as far as I'm concerned. You know, I come from the planning side of the house and those are the two key things always. So we might be operating um, in a specific industry right now, but who's to say we might not change things? We enter a different region, we change industries, we, I don't know, join forces. So when we're scalable, it means that we can we can make the, the application that much bigger. We can grow on it. And when we're flexible, you know, planning, we're changing our processes all the time. Maybe we're looking at our products in a different way. Maybe Maybe we're changing from products to something else. That's the flexibility side of the house, and you've got to have that. And from a performance standpoint, tell me what you see with performance. What what are some of the benefits of extensibility around performance? Well, again, it's keeping those those aspects of your application tight and tidy, if you will. So specific to a purpose, um, performance comes hand in hand with that. So you're not having to consolidate everything all at once. You're doing just those aspects that are pertinent to that process or to that design setup. So you aren't just kind of throwing everything haphazard at one time. You're you're being very controlled in your methodology. So it, when we use extensibility, the application's more flexible. We're, we're able to accommodate more fit to purpose approaches. The end users see the metadata that is relevant to them. They're not overwhelmed with everything all at once or seeing different like actual accounts in the in the budget and forecast, et cetera. You get better performance. And I'd add one too. I like to say it's a get out of jail free card, especially when you do stubbing dimensions, because you know, when I do stub out a dimension, if later on I find that I need to leverage something, I need to build out something, I've got that flexibility. I can add it later. I mean, have you have you had that experience? Have you had to go back and add a dimension at a client? What was that like? <laughs> I absolutely have, Peter. Um, I've had ones where we didn't stub out, and then I've had ones where we did stub it out, and it's less painful. There's still some rework to do, but you're you're set up to just go add that information. You might have to split your data out. You might have to change a few things here and there, but it's just a lot smoother and easier when you've gone ahead and thought through that. So Tammy, relative to stubbing, so if, if you set up a dimension, you don't know what it's going to be used for. You don't know what the details for. How do you have that conversation with the client? Like, how do you, how do you design for something you don't know what it is? Well, really, when you're stubbing out, there's not anything to anchor it. So it's a matter of just telling the business, look, I'm here to provide guidance. I'm here to provide a service. And I'm telling you that this is the best way to set up your application. Here's the drawbacks. If you don't do it this way, you might have to come back in and you might have to take things down and it's going to be a little bit painful for you. But here's here's the benefits that you get out of it. And, you know, nine times out of 10, if not 10 out of 10, they're going to be like, OK, well, thank you for explaining that to me. And I don't know why. I wouldn't do that. And so is it really just creating a blank dimension and assigning it to the cube and then waiting for waiting to decide what that dimension is going to be called? It really is. And you might not ever add to it, but it's there if you need it. You've already set it up. It's already assigned to the cube. So you don't have to drop all of your data to bring it in if you go decide to add a dimension down the road. It's just it's transparent to them. And the same thing could be said for if you extend something, you talk through the, you talk through this with them during design, um, what's the lowest level you might want to look at? Is there a reason to extend out? Let's keep going back to that, that product dimension. Maybe they don't look at that detail right now, but you talk through the benefits with them. There's no reason not to do it. And you can always assign that middle layer, but it's there if you need it. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about the limitations or the uh, the alternatives to this approach. You know, it, well, let me let me ask you: Is there a time you wouldn't want to use extensibility? 
I would say absolutely not. Um, you should always at least consider extensible dimensions. It's like we just talked about stubbing out. That's that's considered extensibility in my head um, and setting it up that way, even if you're in the, the monolithic cube, right? So that's that one big cube. Maybe I've got a very small project that I'm on. Maybe there's there's no reason really to, to go into a hefty amount of cubes or extending dimensions or anything like that. You always want to come back to that flexibility and scalability. So even with that monolithic cube, you don't have performance considerations, you don't have different types of businesses, but extend your dimensions or set them up for extensibility, and then you're always good to go. So when you design a cube, you're setting up, you're creating combinations of accounts and UDs. And I like to say when I look at accounts or UD, it's whenever I use that word buy, I want to look at account by product, by uh, uh, location, by uh, manager, buy, cost center, whatever those buy are, that word buy is usually followed by a user-defined dimension. But that can also create what we like to call dimensional relevance issues. And so like you could have combinations of accounts and UDs that don't necessarily make sense. How do you limit those intersections and why would you want to limit those intersections? Okay, Peter, we're going to have a slightly different viewpoint on this one. Um, so I know that for consolidation purposes, um, you definitely want to consider constraints, right? So you might want to say this account only is pertinent to these aspects of this user-defined dimension, right? So right, maybe it's right. only like pertinent. A, yeah, like a defer, like you'd never look at deferred tax asset, for example, by product type. Right. You know, it doesn't doesn't make sense. All right. But what I will say and where we differ is that if you are doing one of those large scale implementations and you're tending yeah. to look at your design in more of a siloed approach, you really got to consider both sides of the house. So you can put constraints on by cube type. You can't do it by scenario type, but you can do it by cube type. So here's one case where you really want to consider have a consolidation cube that's of a certain type, have a plan one that's of another type, because I'll give you mm -hmm. a real life example. We had this happen where all of our revenue accounts in the actual side of the house, you wanted to control that. They were only specific to certain of those UDs you just talked about. But when we hopped over to the plan side, we're actually crossing a lot of those different UDs because we're doing things slightly differently. And those constraints were breaking processes. So we did have to go back, change the cube approach because we didn't have our cubes assigned. So you really need to be thoughtful and consider these items when you're designing. They can be different between the two types of implementations that you're doing. Well, it's interesting you say that too uh, about cube types and cubes because, you know, internal to OneStream and, and when I've talked to other people, there's been discussion about what should be an entity. Now for actual, it's pretty obvious. It's a legal entity. And the driver for that is, uh, legal entity, you know, you've got your currency and the legal entities are often your intercompany partner and and you flag the entity as intercompany partner. So it's, you know, it's pretty it's pretty clear cut for actual it's a legal entity, but for budget and forecast, it's not. And partly because intercompany is not a big deal. And often people don't manage their consolidation aggregation for budget and forecast, I should say. It's not really a consolidation often. It's uh, their aggregation is by department or profit center or something like that. And so, you know, if that's really your driver and that's gonna be the driver of your workflow, does it make sense to have cost center as, as your entity or department as your entity? Now you get into, I guess, some some issues if you know people have to enter 10 currencies for every department 
uh, sort of thing. But there's another case where you, you just laid out another one where you might want to have constraints by cube type and you've given yourself more flexibility by having like a, a plan and budget cube too. And, it, and I'm not saying it's it's definitely the right way. I bet there's some people who'd come on and, and say, no, it's, you know, for most of the projects, legal entities fine for budget and forecast. You're much more of a planning expert and, and forecast expert than I am, Tammy. You've probably seen a hundred times more applications like that than I have, but I think it's just a way to give you that extra flexibility. How, how, how do you see that? Do, do you see people using department or legal entity as the entity in one stream? Yeah, Peter, absolutely. Um, uh, honestly, like you said, my projects are primarily planning. I've always had something not legal entity in my entity. I've had very few cases where we have to have the legal entity as a UD because we care about it, but more cases than not. I don't even put the legal entity in. We just don't care about it. Um, but I will say one more thing about the intercompany. When you talked about um, it's more flexible, it gives you more options by putting the department or the cross center, or the business unit up there in the entity. We absolutely always care about cross charges. It's pretty much the same thing as the intercompany. We don't use a plug on it, but I care who's giving me these charges. So we do use that IC dimension um, heavily on the planning side of the world. We just use it in a different way. And we don't constrain it. Another concern, I guess, when you have different cubes and you start breaking out cubes versus actual, versus budget, versus forecast, you start to get into mapping issues for seeding, seeding data and copying data. So, you know, being able to do a actual to budget comparison or just seeding actuals into your forecast. How would you manage that when the entities are different? There's actually a couple of different ways to do it, and I've done it in several different ways. It's it's very simple, Peter. It's not it's not a hard process, so people shouldn't be afraid to use it. You can use the consolidation cube, if you will, as a data source, and then you can have an import that comes directly in. You can do your mappings. I've had one where two of my UDs combined to make my entity on the other side, and it was used just as a data source. It's very simple setup, and it makes sense. You could also write business rules to do it. If you need to get a little bit more complex in your seeding or your movement of your data, then a business rule is a great way to handle that. So let's jump back to extensibility. What are the downsides to using extensibility? What are the downsides to using these multiple cubes? You know, ad admins and consultants really need to be aware of, you know, I don't know, that might be just a, a, something to consider when using this approach. Yeah, that, I think that's a better way to, to say it, Peter, is considerations. I wouldn't really say it's a downside, but you definitely have to be a lot more thoughtful in your development and your implementation and what you're turning over. So if you think about even things like business rules or member filters, I want to present a set of members in a queue view, or you want to use a certain set of members within a rule that you're running. Um, you might have to say, okay, well, I want this set of members where it's in this certain dimension, something like that. So you just have to be a lot more thoughtful in what you're doing. Um, as far as maintenance goes, where we talked about if we have the entities as a legal entity for consolidation purposes, and maybe they're a business unit for planning purposes, and you want to keep that legal entity, you might have to actually maintain that legal entity in two places. So there's, there's definitely some considerations. The maintenance of something like that uh, might be a downside. It's something that you always want to talk through with your customer. Just make sure they understand what you're doing, what you're suggesting 
testing, the benefits of it, and you want to give them a recommendation. That's what you're there for. So you want to bring your expertise and say, look, you might want you might have a little more maintenance, but it's going to be a lot smoother in your implementation. Your reports are going to be smoother. Your workflow is going to be smoother. It's the better way to design it, but you need to understand the implications. What about workflow? With a multi-cube design, are you recreating the workflow multiple times? Is that a point of concern for maintenance or what's your experience with that? Well, that one's a little bit tough to answer. Um, it can be multiple points, right? Um, what I tend to find with the workflows is that we're using those suffixes so that we can extend on the, the workflows. That way, if you're in an actual set of workflows, you don't see them when, the, when you're in the forecast side. You don't see the forecast when you're in the budget side. Sometimes there's a little bit of overlap, so you might consider that um, a replication, but they're often distinctly different enough that I wouldn't say it's a it's a reason not to. Let's talk about design and and uh, and talk about some of these you know design conversations you'd have with somebody. When you talk about extensibility, my approach was always let's start with the reports. You know what are we trying to get out of the system and sort of work our way back from there. How do you do it? How do you begin the conversation around extensibility? You know, I think I actually start with their processes, Peter. You know, I keep saying processes, but again, I'm on the planning side of the house and that's what's most important, I think, to us. Um, but it's it's like you said, it's, it's cyclical. It's an iterative process. The best way to do it is to talk for me about the process. Okay, what do you do first in your process? What comes together? What do you look at and why? The biggest thing is asking them why. Sometimes it's like pulling teeth. You know, you might, you might go down a road and get to the end of that road. And the why is, well, because we had this other system that made us do it that way. Okay, well, that's not how you want to do it. It's not how it comes together. So you've really got to pull those answers out. Why do you do something? And then for me, getting to there, it's it's a whiteboard. It's a whiteboard. It's iteration. If you can mock it up, talk through, okay, well, I'm thinking because this process uses this level of detail, uses this information, because that process uses this other set of information. I want to bring it together in this fashion using this different um, set of dimensions, using this extension of this dimension. Let me throw it up on a whiteboard. Let's talk through it. Let me make sure you understand it. When we're done with that session, I'm going to go that night and build it out in one stream. So the next day we can bring it together and say, okay, this is what we talked about. This is how it looks in one stream. What did I miss? What do we need to do differently? What do we need to work together to get where you want to be? So it's funny you say whiteboard. That's that's what I do. I'm when we get into the, really the design, we start looking at the data unit, and we've defined, you know, we've defined scenario, we've defined entity, we've defined obviously parent by just knowing the hierarchy, time, you know, the time's pretty quick. Then the rest of our design is really around account, IC, and UD, and you're at the whiteboard the whole time, and uh, that's when it gets tricky. I think when you start trying to, first of all, you're laying out you know, uh, 12 dimensions on a whiteboard in some sort of grid pattern. And then you're trying to show them by scenario, by cube, uh, how that would look. And that gets a little, that gets a little tricky, I think. I definitely agree with you, Peter. Um, I don't I don't know much of a better way to do it, though, because you I mean, you have to lay it all out. Right. So you can do little sections at a time like your whiteboard contains, you know, for this cube or the scenario type, it contains all that information. And then the next day it's got another piece of it. Um, I've laid it out in Excel too. It's a little bit harder because you've got to make them really look at it. It's not it's not as dynamic as it is on a whiteboard, but I put like 
cubes or even um, a scenario type within a cube in a tab in Excel and kind of tried to walk through it that way. But I mean, you're right, it's getting all those details individually and then collectively together and making sure that you could you've tied it all together and people understand from the very most granular level of detail all the way up through that top level reporting well tammy this has been another great discussion thank you so much for bringing your expertise to the podcast today and thank you fellow one streamers for joining us remember if you like the content please don't forget to hit subscribe i look forward to bringing you another exciting podcast and until then Take care and I'll see you next time on the OneStream Podcast. The OneStream Podcast is brought to you by the OneStream Global Education Services team.